We don't have to try any harder. We don't need to fight anymore. We don't have to try. Hey, Jacob. Hi, Scott. So that's our that's our one scripted bit to our brand new podcast. Yeah, that's all the prep we did this time. We're going to say hi to each other. (laughs) Yeah. How are you doing, brother? I'm really well. How are you? I'm good. I'm excited. This has been uh, a long time coming. I'm beardless. Yeah, I was all prepared for for your mighty beard and you show up beardless, all naked faced. I know your response to it was was my response to it once I looked at myself for the first time, too. It was kind of shock and disbelief. Well, uh, for, for those of you who haven't seen Scott before, um, he looks he looks like his fresh faced, dewy eyed uh, PR photos again. And for a while, he just had this mighty, mighty beard. And I thought both looks are great. So anyway, it's good to see your face, man. Hey, thank you, brother. I think we're moving back into the beard slowly. I just needed, you know, sometimes it was feeling like scraggly and just like I wanted a fresh start. And so I got one. I, I love it. Well, uh, to kind of place ourselves in the world, just so people know that we're not these disembodied, you know, uh, beings, uh, where, where are you right now? I'm in a small town called Lexington in Michigan, uh, one minute walk from Lake Huron, which is one of the Great Lakes. And it is a truly great lake. It feels like being on an ocean. And uh, it's been pretty great. I'm in this little cottage on my own. So a lot of um, a lot of solitude, a lot of me with myself. And then every couple weekends or so I drive into the Detroit area and maybe see some family members and a friend or two. And what about that you? Sounds idyllic. Well, I'm in Boise, Idaho. I, I very, very quietly, and by that I mean not posting anything on social media, just got back from Mexico. Um, and I was up in a little town called San Pancho for uh, about half the trip. And that was uh, a small cottage and very little tourism. And it felt pretty wonderful to have chickens running around and fresh limes falling off trees and things like that. Oh, nice, man. So you had a good trip. I did, yeah. You know, it's funny because we're here, we're having this first show and uh, I just love you and we've been friends for so many years now. And I think it might be fun to talk about like how we met and and how this has been a course of what, six months of us talking about doing this thing, something like that. I think more than that, honestly, (laughs) when I, when I first reached out to you and like, Hey, would you want to do a podcast together? And maybe I agree we should dive into that, but maybe let's talk for people who don't know us at all talk about what is our vision for this? Like, why are we doing this? Um, how does that feel for you? Oh, I think it's great. I think what we're doing uh, right now is is a pretty good example of this. Like, well, I look, you're the one who had the idea. So I'm, you're on the hot seat first. Tell, tell everyone why okay. we're doing this, Scott. <laughs> you know, for me, every time you and I would talk, which is wasn't even that frequently, but every time we would talk on the phone, the conversations would shift very quickly and effortlessly into some deep shit, you know, like something was going on in one of our lives and it, it moved us to talking about not only that specific something, but about where, where you and I come from with, with things, spiritually speaking, creatively speaking. And I always felt like 
what we would talk about over the course of an hour, I always hung up feeling really, really energized, like uh, like I had spoken with someone who not only gets me, but like approaches life in a in a somewhat similar way, even though we're, we're different people and, you know, have different opinions on things. But I just feel with you a real openness and a real commitment to to showing up in your authenticity, you know, and I'm working at doing that all the time more and more in my life. And I, I feel like when, when we come together, we are able to kind of put aside uh, the fears that might come with speaking what's most honest for us and just like put it out there, what we're going through and what we feel about certain things in our lives and in the world. And we're both really open hearted men, you know, and it's not always easy to come by really open hearted men. Yeah. So my my vision for this was really kind of what we've decided to do, which is essentially not have, at least in the beginning for now, you know, not have this kind of pre-planned podcast, but have a conversation with each other. That's why we it's called Hey Jacob, Hi Scott. You know, that's how the conversations begin, and then see where they where they lead. And my sense is, knowing both of us, um, they're going to lead somewhere pretty cool that people people are going to be able to relate to, reflect on, maybe be provoked by, maybe be inspired by, maybe be humored by, maybe be annoyed by some of the things that that we talk about, you know? So that's kind of where I'm coming from with this. God, I don't, I don't think I can follow that up. That's perfect. Um, no, that's really, that's I love that, Scott. And I think that, I think that um, one thing that drew me to you as a friend when I got to actually be your friend, you know, you, you first existed as a meme, um, <laughs> something about, uh, don't worry about making waves. The moon does it all the time or does it every night or something like being by being yourself. I saw that and posted it and loved it. And then at some point someone said, Oh, well you need to meet Scott. I know Scott. And so then we became friends, but I think that, um, your story of, really seeking for something real and going through the experience of being in a, a, a cult-like environment or maybe full-on cult environment um, and then continuing on into, okay, I want to, I want to be real in this world. I want to really live deeply and openly. Um, I'm not willing to take anyone else's dogma or set of beliefs and say, yes, that's me. So I just have always sensed in you this really earnest, but big hearted laughing presence. And uh, that's, that's hugely attractive to me as a friend. And I, I have fewer and fewer friends than the ones I do have are, are fall in that category. So yeah, that's my way of appreciating you. And, and one of the reasons I wanted to, you know, do this with you. I, I had a number of those experiences in early life, different ones, but similar enough, like, you know, went down the whole breaking out of a cult situation and um, seeking for something real and then chasing enlightenment for a, a fair amount of time and then realizing, oh, wow, enlightenment is, you know, on the horizon. What, what about right now where I'm sitting? So, um, yeah. Yeah, that's huge. I mean, what you just said about because I, I feel like, I mean, you brought up the cult and we both had our own experiences um, dealing with cults. And for me, part of that journey was so much about chasing enlightenment. That's why I stayed. That's why I followed this man. I believed him to be enlightened. 
And I believe that he was my pathway to realizing my enlightenment in this world, you know, and what I came to, to feel about it was just that everything I was doing to chase enlightenment, like the, the, for me, like the rule book of becoming enlightened was like, be more loving, be more compassionate, be more forgiving. Like all of these practices that I was establishing in my life anyway, with this hope of finding enlightenment, when I let go of the guru and I let go of the cult and I let go of this, um, this stress filled mission of becoming enlightened, it created more anxiety in my life than anything else, because I was constantly judging myself against this false idea of who I might be as an enlightened individual and always coming up mm. short. And I realized that without enlightenment in the picture, I'm still committed to the exact same things. Like for me, love is the purpose. Love is my purpose, being more compassionate, being more loving, being more open, honest, authentic, all of those things. Like, but I've removed this must be enlightened. That's the only thing that matters, you know? And so now I'm just left with all the, all the good stuff that keeps me moving through life, which is like, be as loving as possible and see where that takes you. And that always takes you someplace beautiful in my experience. So, you know, it's so interesting, Scott, like everything you just said, of course, I, I embrace those things. And as I'm thinking about the world we live in right now, um, when you talk about living deeply, you know, in love as love in a world like this, um, or having compassion, those kinds of things, I think a lot of people might hear that and go, okay, you know, I'm sure he just always, that means he always feels loving. So I'm just curious, like walking through the world as a very sensitive creature and, um, wanting to see the world be gentler and more inclusive and all of those things and seeing how much it's contrasted to that much of the time. I'm just curious, what is love? What does that actually mean? Uh, how do you feel when you walk through the world being love, you know? Yeah. Well, first let me say, I don't always walk through the world being love, (laughs) you know, like sometimes I walk through the world as a giant asshole. Sometimes it's just a judgmental prick, like, you know, like all the, the ways we walk through the world. But when I, think about love for me it's just energy like when i talk about love i'm talking about an energy that is everywhere as i see it feel it within us outside of us and so acting in love for me means allowing myself to surrender to that energy that is already existing all over the place and so if someone says or does something that really pisses me off um and my mind wants to take take me to this place of just judgment and condemnation or dehumanization or whatever things our mind wants to do. Um, That's part of the story too. That's part of the experience too, right? But it's only I feel when I in some way get myself back to this energy of love, which is always inviting me to show up with empathy, with compassion, with kindness. It's when I return to that state, do I feel like I'm most at Mm -hmm. home? And it's also where I feel like I have most to offer others. So I'm as committed as anyone I've met to self-love and to recognizing the importance of loving ourselves and how, how powerfully we are able to create changes in our lives when we commit to showing up for love with ourselves. But the beauty of that is it always transcends self, as you know, and it always is serving other people. That's what love does. And so for me, I think we can hear like live in love and it can feel like this really 
kind of woo-woo thing. It can feel really ungrounded, but the love that I'm speaking about and when I feel most grounded, it's when I'm rooted in this love. It's a very, there's a strength to it. There's an understanding that we live in a world where it is so easy to turn to hate and we do so easily turn to hate. It is so easy to say, I would never forgive that person Mm -hmm. for what they did. All of these choices are incredibly easy and also incredibly poisonous. Mm -hmm. And we know this in our system. We know how it feels to hate. We know how, you know, we know how it feels emotionally. We know how it feels physically. So for me, choosing love is so often not the harder choice that we can make and, and always worthwhile, but also not always immediate. And that's okay too. We have to, we have to go through whatever it is we're going through, but my commitment is to landing in love no matter what. And because I feel deeply committed to love, I really trust that I'm always going to find my way there. And my experience has been, I find my way there. It's hard. Like with with certain politicians, it's incredibly hard. With certain people in the world, it's really hard. And I've watched myself get dragged away from who I believe myself to be. And that's been really important too, because it's like, okay, you say you're this person. Look at how fucking nasty you are in your mind right now toward that person. Look at how you are condemning them and dehumanizing them with your thoughts. Like this is not love, you know? So, and that's important to see too, right? That's how we get ourselves back to it if we want to. What about, I feel like we're having, it's weird because, and this is our first episode, so, you know, it's going to grow and change, but I feel like we're having a podcast interview right now (laughs) more than we're having like a conversation, which is okay. Like, I think it's, it's good. It's just funny that I don't feel like you and I are just talking on the phone right right now. We ordinarily would yeah. do, which is okay. Well, yes. Uh, no, it's funny. I, th- I had the same thought. I guess if for at least for now until we get more comfortable with uh, just chatting as we would, uh, you know, we can have a series of, of you know, monologues that we hand back and forth. <laughs> <laughs> which we sometimes do when we're chatting. Well, exactly. Yeah. My, my close friends know, uh, like, oh, God, you know what? I shouldn't have asked him that question. That's, that's going to be 10 minutes of my life. I can't get back now. well what's your relationship with love well god i just you know hearing you talk about this and i'm glad you're willing and able to kind of bring it down to the ground because i feel like it's the it's the medicine you know it's what we all want Mm. self-love what you were talking about i saw this thing the other day and i don't know who wrote this scott but they said how can i experience self-love and they said answer explore your self-hate. And I think that one of the big barriers that I have oftentimes when it comes to saying, okay, like love is such a big word, man. It's like God. Mm-hmm. I can't accept any traditional idea of God as this separate mm-hmm. being somewhere, you know, I can accept the idea um, or I should say not just the idea I experience. The, the power and intelligence of this vastly interconnected universe that lives in every single cell in my body, you know? Um, yeah. And I can, I'm okay with that, but I think unpacking the word, taking apart the word love and saying, okay, what, I mean, to me, love is tremendously courageous honesty in hard moments. It's not masking the disagreement I might, I might have with a partner or a child or a friend or a, political opponent or whatever 
and pretending everything's nice. And I think in the spiritual community, and you and I have been sort of through that or around it or something for a long time, sometimes a lot of, I, I've heard people say love and light to me through gritted teeth, mm-hmm. or I've heard namaste and what they really meant was fuck you. Yeah. That's not yeah. love. That's not love. Yeah. I, I totally agree. And I think for me, I feel like we know it when we're feeling mm. it. It's like, you know, if you're saying love and light to someone and in your heart, you're, you're, you feel compassion for them and you want good for them. And that feels very different than you, if you're saying that and you're judging them. And, and I, and for me, what I've, what I've come to discover is that when I am connecting to that energy, I feel the best. It's like, this is for me why I get so excited about love and talk about it incessantly. It's because there's nothing that feels better than acting in love. And when I say love, I mean, compassion is love and action and kindness and forgiveness. All of that is under the umbrella of love. And, you know, when we're connected to, to those energies, it's, it's like, there's nothing like it. If hatred felt great, I, you and I would be very hateful, I suspect, you know, because we want to, like, I want to feel good. I'm selfish with my, with my spiritual path in that way. I want to feel good and I want to do things in my life that feel good. And, and that's not to say, obviously life doesn't always feel Mm -hmm. good, but I want to, I want to hold space for whatever I'm feeling. If I'm sad, if I'm angry, whatever, but in general, I want to be making choices that contribute to more peace in my life and more joy in my life and more meaning in my life because these things feel good. It's like the idea of having a podcast with you. I felt I wanted, I tried to do my own podcast a few years ago. I never even launched it. I recorded a few things, but I really felt like I want to talk with somebody, you know, share space with somebody in that realm. And when I thought of you, it's like, in my body, my body lifted and felt open, you know, and it was like, ah, the idea of talking with Jason, that feels good to me, you know, and, and we, and I'm trying to pay more attention to my body and the information that it's giving me, our bodies give us so much information, but we are so wired to just listen to our mind for input, even though our mind's feeding us so much bullshit and so many lies so often, and yet must pay attention to the mind, right? So, I don't even know where I was going with that, but like part of with, with you and the idea of doing a podcast for me, part of that is, Hey, this could be a, a cool way to love myself. I want, I'm called to do this. He's a person I'm called to do it with. Let's see how it goes and how it feels. And if it feels good, do it more. And if it doesn't stop, mm-hmm. right. And that, if we were just doing that in our lives, just like, how's this making me feel good? Do more of it. How's this making me feel like shit? Great. Stop. That shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, It's interesting. Uh, I was thinking about a real life example of um, I don't get involved in politics on Facebook or where very much anymore. Um, But I have a dear friend and this guy, we've known each other since we were kids in the church I grew up in. And he's fucking hilarious and smart. And he sort of found his way back to Christianity and, and is really kind of entrenched in the conservative mindset and we both just love each other and think each other funny and everything and this morning he posted something about the grammys and about i don't know just how godlessness is taking over america and we can't stand for it and all that and he said and then he said they unchanged my mind and i wrote and said well tim i can't change your first of all i'm not going to try to change your mind like i don't think 
beating somebody or shaming somebody into thinking they're wrong is going to fix anything. Um, but we had this really interesting exchange, you know, and in, in which we laughed at each other and with each other. And, you know, he called me a godless liberal and I called him a something, something <laughs> conservative Christian or whatever, but it was great. And, um, but you know, that's kind of a funny example just in passing, but you know, I have family members, a couple of brothers who, I just love, I mean, we, we spend time, real time and I've watched them grow and we grow together and we have changed, um, as a result of spending this time together as adults and revisiting things from our childhood that were really damaging and learning to forgive each other and forgive life. And they are really different, especially one of, one of my brothers, you know, he, we were sitting there in Mexico recently and we were talking about, and he's like, you know, he's like, yeah, I voted for Trump. He said, I hate the guy. He's like awful guy. And he listed the reasons why he had done that. And it was really a rebellion against being called an awful, deplorable human being. He's like, and I, and I know my brother to be someone who is growing and isn't very intelligent and is curious about other people and about life. And that's a, so there's a connection, Scott, that has changed me. Um, We're not going to change each other politically and we don't try to, but because we're curious about each other, because there is love between us, it keeps pulling us back into, listen, man, I can't dismiss you. I can't just brush you off and say, you're, you're one of those worthless assholes who's destroying da, 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 or whatever. Um, and so there's an example, I think, of yeah. something that could be difficult or very divisive and love. It doesn't always feel good in the middle of that, like taking a deep breath after someone says, I voted for this person who you just fucking hate um, and going, OK, but wait a minute, I'm safe right now. It's not going to harm me hearing this. Um, OK, tell me more. Yeah. That to me was a moment of love being medicine between us. Yeah, I love that. That's great. And you know, it. You know what though? I think that had you two decided that you didn't want to be in each other's lives for who who knows how many different kinds of reasons, that could have been a reflection of love as well, depending on how that was accomplished. You know, because for me. For me, part of loving myself is really paying attention to the relationships I allow into my life and the ones that I give my energy to. You know, I have a sister who supported Trump and I very much did not. And it was a real, it it was a hardship for me. It was really difficult to, um, it was really difficult for me to just accept her -hmm. choice you know, and, and more so than it was for her to accept mine. And at the same time, it's like, my sister is so much more than her choice for president, period. Do you know what I mean? My relationship Mm -hmm. to her is so much more expansive than that. And who she is as a human being is so much more than who she decided to vote for, for president, for all the reasons that she decided to do it. You know, and I think sometimes, I mean, certainly in the context of politics, uh, and I also understand, I mean, you know, you, I understand it, like I'm stuttering because 
you you and I are white guys talking about this. Um, and I say that because we're not as mm. affected by a lot of the policies that are going to come down from different governments that are going to hit marginalized communities in much different ways than they would affect us. I can I can relate to marginalization from the, the perspective of being a gay mm-hmm. man, you know, and, and living in a world where it wasn't legal for me to get married for most of my life. And and still, it's like, in general, I'm living a comfortable lifestyle. So I understand that I understand that perspective. And yet what's for me stronger than that is like, I'm not going to write my sister off because she voted for Donald Trump. Like, it's not like, I don't agree with that choice that she made. And that one choice is not enough of a reason for me to not be in relationship with her. If she were like unkind to me, disrespectful to me, these are reasons to not be in relationship with a family member for me if they don't treat me well. You know, if it's it's something that feels more toxic than healthy, that's different. Um, But it's not to say it didn't come without with out its challenges it did and without me having to really look at myself and really say like like who are you really like are you somebody who is going to eliminate someone you love from your life because of their vote like is that is that how you want to be showing up in your life and for me the answer is no that's not how i want to be showing up in my life and i also understand a lot of relationships familial and otherwise have um disintegrated in the face of politics yeah you know and i, I was going to ask you and you kind of already spoke to it but i think from the standpoint of okay so if this if the loving choice if the self-loving choice is how would you yes how would you make the choice to say okay i'm putting distance between myself and this person or putting up a very strong boundary uh, because this is simply not, you know, like I think a lot of people have this idea that if they're on the path of love, then they always should. There's that big word should um, stay in these situations and just f- forever work it out. And I don't hear you saying that. So, yeah, what are some criteria for you that says, OK, I have to put distance here? Well, I don't think that's love at all, necessarily, that that should stay in like how many how many people stay in things because, well, we've been friends for 20 years, you know? And I'm like, well, you've been miserable for the last 10 of them, right? (laughs) It's like, why would history with someone be enough of a reason to stay in a relationship that feels unhealthy? But then people will always say, but it's my family member. And I'm like, okay, because people write me, I get one of the questions I get asked most often by people is I'm in a toxic relationship. What should I do about it? And I don't answer that for people that's up for, you know, for them to, to decide. But what, what I do say is like, why are you choosing to be in a relationship that you view as toxic? And then when they say, but it's my family, I'm like, why are you choosing to be in a relationship with anybody who disrespects you is unkind to you? Like, why is it a rule that we have to allow ourselves to be disrespected by family? Why would that ever be a rule, Mm -hmm. right? That I would align with. You know, my experience around self-love is that the more in touch we become with love of self and the more connected we are to our own worth as a human being, the less we allow for for things that don't support that understanding. And it becomes untenable to be in relationship with people who are not willing to see, accept, love you as you are. 
you know? And so, so yeah, I'm not all for, for martyring myself in friendship. That isn't what love is inviting me to do. You know, Glennon Doyle, someone I'll probably mention in every one of our episodes, she's one of my favorite humans. She's an extraordinary writer and philanthropist. In her book Untamed, she talks about, she was, she was going, she was in a marriage that was not, there wasn't love there anymore. And she was only staying for her children. And she's, she's writes about like brushing her daughter's hair in the mirror and thinking in that moment, how she's staying in this relationship for her daughter, but would she want her daughter to be in this relationship? Mm -hmm. And when she answered that question that she was modeling a relationship that she absolutely would not want for her daughter, she realized that this idea of martyrdom as a parent, it was bullshit. Like what she, what she understood then is I want to model for my daughter how, how, what a free woman looks yeah. like moving through the world, what a woman who's honoring herself looks like moving through the world. And she wasn't doing that by staying in that relationship, you know? And I think that's a very powerful lesson for people, for parents, certainly. And for, for all of us, it's like, who, who are you called to be? in this lifetime, in this reality? Who is your heart calling you to be? And every time you are compromising that call in order to meet the expectations of others or of society or of this imaginary guidebook on what how you're supposed to human through the world, you're fucking yourself, yeah. you know? And we don't have to do it. God, I can relate very personally to that, Scott. I was, I was married for almost 20 years to the first girl I kissed and, um, and, you know, we had three kids together and um, eventually came to the end of that. And it, it damn near killed me, um, partly because my own bullshit. I'm, or let's just say, I don't know, maybe 99 or 100% because my own bullshit. No, I saw myself in this role of, well, definitely the should. Uh, you're not supposed to, especially the way I grew up, you're not supposed to end a marriage. Um certainly the should of keeping a family together for the children and, you know, the interpersonal codependence uh, going on there of this person really needs me. Um, and love became this deep honesty where I had to admit to myself that I was getting a payoff for being that guy. And I didn't end the marriage out of some altruistic, like, I'm going to set you free and you'll become who you're supposed to be. But that, but truly somewhere in there is that can be the result of taking a step like that. I've watched my then wife, ex-wife, um, really grow into herself in ways that she couldn't in, in our relationship. And I've certainly grown in. And again, it's not like I did some selfless thing for her so she could grow into herself. But, but, you know, but, um, I've watched myself then become freer and more honest in my relationship to life itself. And that was a very deep question for me back then is, do I owe this relationship, this person, the rest of my life? Is that really what love would do? Cause I was, I was genuinely trying to do the right thing, um, mingled with my own bullshit as it was. And I'm just so grateful to look back at the trail since then and go, my God, it was hard. It was harder to learn how to be a single guy at about 40 uh, for the first time in my whole life and learn how to relate to others in a whole new way. 
um, and really find myself for the first time, have to live by myself in my own house with nobody to take care of except for myself for the first time. I had to learn healthy selfishness, Scott, and I had no idea what that was about previously. Yeah, it's a it's a great thing. <laughs> it's it's necessary yeah. and it's very healthy, you know. And I I feel like, you know, I, I say this a lot in the I just say it a lot in general, but I really have come to to feel that when we're engaging in a relationship that we feel is unhealthy or toxic, we are absolutely bringing something unhealthy and toxic to it and that there's no other possibility, yeah. right? It's, it can never just be the other person. And if our experience of a, of a relationship is this is so toxic, imagine what you're bringing to it. It's not just love and joy and surrender. You're fighting against the reality of what that relationship is. So naturally in that fight, you're bringing something that's, that's, not good. Okay. So, so you, know. you and I both came through some pretty deep practices and you more long in a longer way and more focused and intensely than I did in the enlightenment set setting. Right. Um, and in my own course through that, there was this experience of learning how to accept this moment, this experience very, very deeply and not resist it. Um, and so coming to a point of decision that says I am choosing something different than this experience was actually really hard for me. And I'm curious if you, if you can relate to that or what your experience of that has been like coming to grips with the idea of, yes, I can love this moment deeply surrender to it, open my heart completely to it. Because from my perspective back then, um, that was one of the struggles was how do I both surrender deeply to life, to this moment, accept everything and make a choice that would seem to almost be in resistance to this moment and to this experience. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. I think it's, for me, the magic is in that deep surrender because it's, it's like when I look at my life, so much of my adult life was I feel like I was had my fists up, like was fighting energetically against what was. And and I feel like when we're doing that, when we're when we're resisting what is, which is completely futile because what is is, right? So if I'm trying, if I'm fighting against the reality that you and I are recording this podcast right now, and if everything in me is like, God, I wish this were my like, how does how does that serve me? And what energy does it leave me to create any sort of positive change? So what I heard you saying was you came to this place of surrender. And I feel like in that place of this peaceful acceptance of what is, is when we have the energy to create mm. change. It's like I can fight against my reality or I can surrender to it and acknowledge from this less fighting place, like this isn't working mm. for me. This is my reality. I accept that this is my reality right now. I take responsibility for my reality right now and this doesn't feel good. Mm -hmm. So what, what change, what can I do to create changes? But for me, the energy of coming into change from that place is so much more empowering than coming into change from fuck you. And this fucking sucks. You know what I'm saying? It's like, we're left with so much more energy when we're not in the fight. Mm. And, and, and it takes practice because I think that our natural our instinct when we're feeling something uncomfortable is to resist it with everything we've got. 
Wow. Yeah. Okay. So I love that. And the, you know, if I'm just in a pure fuck you, this is a toxic relationship. I've got to get out of this because this person is, if I'm taking the victim stance, this person is victimizing me. I've got to get away from them or the situation, the job, uh, whatever it might be, this circumstance, I am a victim to it. Uh, that is a very, from an energetic standpoint, that's a very weak standpoint. And if I do break away from that, the likelihood is that I will go and recreate that same experience elsewhere. It's going to find its mirror because I very unlikely that I do any, any real healing to get to the point of making a change. I think so, you know, and I, and I also think every, the things we're talking about, it's not, I don't think these things are easy. You know, I'm not somebody who's living in a hundred percent acceptance of every moment. It's not that I still don't. And, and I'm sure you, you too, like we don't still struggle against what is, but I, I find that I'm just, hey, hang on, hang on. Actually, I, you know, I yeah. speak for yourself. I got, I didn't want to tell you this, but I did get totally, totally in like, so <laughs> oh, I'm never in resistance. <laughs> Good for you, yeah. brother. No, you need to do honest. more talking then. <laughs> you know, but it's it's what you, I, I think it's what you said. It's like, for me, it's about bringing awareness to how I'm feeling in any given mm -hmm. moment, paying attention and understanding when I started to see how I was feeling in that fight and in that resistance, it's like, this does not feel mm -hmm. good. This is, yes, there's a lot of, this life is wildly cruel and unpredictable at times. There's so much violence. There's so much, there's so much to resist mm -hmm. energetically because it feels so awful and dark. And at the same time, I'm like, how am I feeling in this space? How am I feeling in the face of it? Can I be doing something different so that I'm able to be more present in my life in a way that feels less anxious, less hopeless, less, you know, and feels a little more at peace. I think that's like, I've let go of enlightenment, but I, I'm definitely chasing more moments of peace in my life and paying attention. Yeah. Like, like, is this creating peace? You know? I, and, and for me, peace can be found in deep sadness. Mm -hmm. Pe peace can be found even in our anger, because for me, the peace comes from, the allowance of what is to be it. And, and it's that whole added, like this has to be different than what it is struggle that we create. That's where we create so much of the suffering. I find it's in our minds, unwillingness to be what with what is, you know, even if what is, is difficult. I'm, I, you know, what's kind of emerging from this conversation is hearing you describe that feeling as a compass it's your, I'm hearing you say, this is how I'm navigating. It's a very finely tuned instrument that maybe wasn't so finely tuned at first, but over the years, you've, you've actually paid more and more attention to it. So now, you know, if the needle is not pointing straight at, it's like, oh, wait, this doesn't feel good. Is it but we all know that, I think. You know what I mean? I don't think it's anything. I think we all know that. Even like really in like people who aren't tapped into their sensitivity, you know, I think you know when you're not feeling good. Okay. okay. <laughs> and, so hang on though. So then why why is it that the people who actually follow that and live in accordance with those lights, why do they seem like such radical beings on, on the planet? Like why aren't more people navigating by their feeling than Todd? <laughs> 
or Scott. You called me Jason earlier, so I'm going to call you Todd for a minute. No, I didn't. <laughs> Did I? <laughs> I called People you do, but I'm like, do we even know each other? <laughs> that's so funny. Wow, that's so. Anyway, weird. sorry. I want to hear the playback. I'm not going to, <laughs> but um. Well, I mean, I'll ask you the same question. For me, I think it's it, it's we're we're mental. We're in our heads. We're in our egos. We're conditioned to be very specific ways from the time we're very young and breaking away from that conditioning. That conditioning doesn't live in the heart space. It doesn't live in the truth. It lives in what we've been programmed to be. So peeling away the layers of, of that conditioning, I believe, is a lifetime journey for 99.99% mm-hmm. of us. And then there's, you know, the 12 people who do reach enlightenment in this lifetime and have transcended that. But but I feel mm. like it, our minds are so strong and they're, they're wired for fear and insecurity and judgment and all of these things that we operate from that to actually sink into our hearts and to choose to live from that place and the truth that that place welcomes into our lives is always going to be the harder choice because you have a mind coming at you that wants to stay in control at all costs. So anytime you're in your heart, your ego's freaking out, your mind is freaking out. It's creating all of these thoughts and ideas that are like, no, 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 follow me, follow me. You know, and I, and I, I feel like getting into your heart and into your truth is not, it's not only not easy because of what our mind is doing. It's not easy because it's hard to look at yourself honestly. Because what you're likely to discover there is you are a profoundly fucked up human like every other human on the planet. And are you willing to look at that and face that and take responsibility and 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 seek to heal some of that? Yeah. Right? And I don't think a lot of people want to make that choice, nor do I think everyone has to make that choice. I don't think everyone's here in this reality to heal, mm-hmm. as we know, if we look around. <laughs> but what about you? Why do you, you know, why do you think that's the case? Well, I think you touched on it already. It's partly um, the idea of these roles, who we believe we are. That's why in my work now I've and with myself, I feel like the first step toward real transformation. And by the way, transformation to me has become not some goal like enlightenment or becoming like this model, this self-help guru, this fitness guru, this any kind of guru, business, whatever it is, because that's really been that's really been the um, template, I think, for, well, thousands of years now is go find a model and try to make try to trim or change your behavior to match theirs. And then you become like this thing that you want. I've come to feel that and that's become such a buzzword transformation. You know, I've come to feel strongly, Scott, that um, transformation is simply becoming more of who you really are. Yeah. So we take an acorn that becomes an oak tree transfer. It does go through transformation or a caterpillar that becomes a butterfly. Mm -hmm. It goes through a transformation, but it doesn't become a fucking hummingbird. More of a caterpillar (laughs) that's becoming a a butterfly. Right. Yeah. So what you said earlier though, was this conditioning. And so this act of the process, the act starting out towards self-discovery, who am I? God, who am I? How do I tick? And not just who am I, who, who was the person who became something out of reactive or adaptive or survival strategies? Um, and so what I see so often in our world is that most of us are, when we find ourselves in unloving 
interactions, most of the time it's because some false role that we've built up over time is interacting with another person's false role. If you and I mm -hmm. got really mad at each other and we were having some argument, about, which I never, it's kind of hard to imagine a situation where that would happen, but maybe we can find one. Uh, no, but let's, let's just say that something came up. If we were to sit and pull the threads on that, we would probably find out that we were not actually on different sides. We would probably find out that we were both reacting from fears, from old stuff, um, from ways that we think that we are. You know, okay, so I'm a straight man who lives in Idaho. Uh, you know, that comes with it supposedly some set of rules. Uh, condition rules, yeah. right? Um, so I just think that the lack of self-discovery, finding out who we really are, and then the lack of self-acceptance. Okay, looking at myself deeply in the mirror and saying more and more, wow, I'm really curious about this creature. I, I kind of like this. I, I would hang out with me, you know? But I, I have to say yeah. 10 years ago, if someone had, had asked me, do you want to hang out with you? If I was honest enough, I'd have to say, absolutely not. I don't no, that person is awkward and um, gets in trouble and is too fat or too whatever, you know, all these things. Like, no, I don't want to have. And that, per and that person, that like awkward or I just feel like we're. That person wasn't the truest expression of you, right? That's the thing. It's like part of part of self-love for me, and, and you've said the word honesty a few times, getting honest, and, and that's a big part of it. But the, the what's equally important is bringing the love when we're getting honest. Because if you get honest with yourself, what I've come to discover is I'm wildly envious. <laughs> I'm jealous. I'm blameful. It's like these are aspects of my personality. And I don't expect having a human mind that I'm ever going to transcend my jealousy entirely. Right. And it's not something I also expect I'll ever like. And what I've come to discover is rather than shaming myself over things that are a natural part of being human with the human mind is that I can still love myself. I can still dislike my jealous, my jealousy and still absolutely shine love on it instead of shame. And I feel like because I'm, I'm able to do that now, it, it has just created a much more peaceful and loving relationship with myself. So now when I'm feeling jealous, it's like, it, first of all, it fucking sucks to feel jealous. It's an awful feeling physically, emotionally, but at least I'm not attaching anything else to it. And I'm like, okay, this is human. This is normal. You're yeah. okay. You know, and, and it's also going to pass. Yeah. And I'm uh, just, just to be clear here, I am just magnificently vain. Oh my God. <laughs> I am so vain. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god yeah so which which uh is funny now because i think for a lot of years i i hid from that and pretended i wasn't which you talk about uh -huh. some distorted behavior when you're pretending to be when i'm pretending to be somebody or something that i really am well, yeah you, totally. you get it yeah pretending not to be vain in reality yeah. and those yeah. weird masking behaviors it's like pretending yeah. to be loving when they're, you know, it's like what they think loving is rather than saying something true, which is, yeah, I, I hate this right now. <laughs> you know? And we all do it. It's, we all do it. Like we are all in denial about things, but also we all know we're doing yeah. it. Like you can't, you can, you can lie to yourself only, I think to a certain extent, but you know, when you're full yeah. of shit, you know, when you're lying to yourself about yourself and what does that create? 
for you? What does that create for people? It just keeps people boxed in their little prisons of whatever the opposite of freedom is. Yeah, you know, I caught myself noting whenever I would say something like, well, you know what I wanted to say? And I would actually use my journal for this, Scott. I would sit down and, and write out what I wanted to say and was too afraid or whatever to, to say in that situation. And it was kind of remarkable. It was yeah. kind of astonishing. And then I started trying to practice later, not tamping it down. And I've had some, some of the most remarkable experiences I've had with other people mm-hmm. have been when I stopped being polite and didn't necessarily yeah. just eviscerate them, um, but stopped going away and telling another friend, well, they said this. And what I wanted to say was when I found myself saying, you know what, in that moment, how can I express what's true here? And I found that those moments tore off some kind of mask. And I've often experienced much deeper connection with people because of that. And my old self was so afraid of doing that. It's like, oh, well, and, and really when I look more deeply into that, the fear of being abandoned or rejected, when you go really deeply into some core beliefs, um, yeah. m- much of the behavior that I was operating in the world with was trying to get into situations where I wouldn't be misunderstood or abandoned or rejected. Yeah. I mean, aren't we all doing that? You know, I mean, it's, that's the thing. Like those core fears are the same for all of mm-hmm. us. And they, they tend to dictate how we're showing up in our lives, how much, how, how much we're willing to just be victim to our own fears, yeah. you know, and move forward. So usually when we're talking on the phone, since we're doing a bit of meta looking at it here, um, Usually when I'm talking on the phone, at some point I'll ask, well, uh, what, what, what are you watching or what are you reading right now that you're loving? And so I'm going to do that now. Okay, good. Um, I'm reading, I'm reading a lot of things right now. Um, I'm reading, uh, Untamed Mm. Again by Glennon. I'm reading Just Mercy, which is a heartbreaking look at the prison system through the eyes of a, a public defender, a death penalty defender. Um, I'm reading awareness, but I just started, so I'm not even really into it. It's by, and I can't, a, a few people have mentioned this book to me all of a sudden it's by, uh, wasn't a monk. He's like a priest, some sort of maybe a Jesuit oh, priest, but he, it, the whole book is like, I think just there, they wrote down his sermons or stuff. So it feels like he's really like talking and kind of shouting at you, but in this really energetic, fun way, um, so I'm reading that. I just finished your book, which is wonderful. Oh. The Creative Cure. <laughs> um, it really is great. It's t- to all the listeners, it's it's uh, or viewers. Um, yeah, it's just a really. I f- I feel like you write in a way that feels like you're you're holding my hand and speaking very clearly uh, about the gifts of creativity in our lives and the process by which we can bring creativity into our lives in ways that will will serve us. And and underneath the whole thing is just this this repeated understanding we are all creative beings. We are all creative beings and if we can just allow for our creativity to be one of the driving factors in our existence of life, we are 
going to serve ourselves and our world profoundly. So it's, and I feel like you live that message and, and it was really just really beautifully articulated in this book. So thank Thank you you for that. You know, I'm doing a quick check on my motives. Yeah. I didn't even think about hoping you would talk about my book when I asked you what you were reading. Oh, I know you didn't. I know you didn't. And I almost forgot your book. Because yeah, <laughs> like I'm currently reading a bunch of others, but no, no, I'm so glad you did. Oh, no, that. I was hoping yeah. to hear in your in your stack of books, some really <laughs> shitty, you know, like really shallow gay vampire romance beach novel or something. <laughs> well, it's funny that you say that because you, you asked, what am I watching? I've, all I have been watching are vampires. Like there's this show, The um, Vampire Diaries. Oh, yeah. And then it, there was a, it had a spinoff called The Originals and it had a spinoff called Legacies. It's all about vampires, witches, and um, I was going to say coyotes, but werewolves. <laughs> werewolves are a little tougher than coyotes, yeah. maybe. So I actually watched the spin, the two spinoffs and now I'm watching The Originals. So for weeks and weeks, I'm every night is with vampires and witches and werewolves. <laughs> well, that's good because I was getting worried there. Your, your stack was sounding really... Um... yeah no that's great well i've uh i've been watching the second season of discovery of witches which involves vampires and witches and uh it's it's fantastic um what's it called called? the discovery of witches oh is it a documentary series no no no, it's a drama it's uh it's good stuff Oh, I'm excited because witches are my yeah, favorite. Yeah. Like I want, I'm going to watch yeah, that for sure. I need to have vampires and witches, so that's pretty. Cool. Yeah, it's a weird yeah. Um, oh, let's see. I just started. You know, I've loved David Foster Wallace's. Yeah, I've loved the idea of David Foster Wallace for many years. Right. Um, yeah. I read one of his books, totally. and then um, of course his his commencement speech. You know, this is water. I I've listened to that five times. I think in the last month, like it's it's something very powerful for me. But I finally tackled his uh, his magnus opus, uh, Infinite Jest, on Audible. And it's so uh, big. It's so fucking it? big, Scott. It's like eight different sections of eight hours each or some shit. It's, it's a lot, man. Um, yeah. And I love the guy's brain. I don't know for sure that I love this book yet, but I love his brain. So it's kind of like, okay, I just want to hear him. T- I just want to hear him talk for way more hours than there are in, in life, you know? Yeah, totally. <laughs> I've never read any of his books. I have, I have a book of his short stories in my, uh, in my oh, Kindle. Oh, you do. And um, yeah, but I haven't. I still haven't taken a dive into it. All right. So um, there's a, and I'm blanking on the title of it, but there's a fairly recent film that was a Rolling Stones writer, a young guy, um, who went to spend time at the end of David's David Foster Wallace's um, infinite just book tour. And so he spent time with him and I watched that recently for some reason. And I just really fell in love with this guy, this brilliant self-effacing, but absolutely brilliant and probably on the spectrum or something. I mean, the intensity of his brain and his ability to Mm -hmm. observe the world in granular detail and draw these crazy conclusions. I mean, crazy sane, Anyway, what a wonderful, if you want to, if you want to get like inspired to maybe tackle some of David Foster Wallace, that movie is probably a really good one. All right, yeah. cool, cool. I saw Nomadland recently. Oh, yeah. and it's Tell me, is it good? One of, uh, it, I th- think it's one of my favorite movies I've seen in really? years. It is so beautiful. It is, yeah, I can't recommend it more highly. Yeah. Everything about it, it's just wonderful. And um, yeah, just, ugh, it's heartbreaking. 
and beautiful. All right. Well, that's good because it's been on my list and I've been waiting for somebody I trust uh, to, to tell me it's good. So, Oh, it's excellent. I think you will love it. It's like, it's truly exceptional. Okay. I mean, it's all subjective, of course, but I have a feeling. Well, no, you're look, like I mean, you, yeah, you know, you know the stuff. Um, yeah, I'll take a break from witches and vampires for a minute and watch Nomadland. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, what do you think, brother? Should we should we wind I it up? I think so. And I have this, you know, as I, this kept coming to mind as you were talking earlier. Um, it's this little piece. I know you've read it before from John Wellwood. And it says, forget about enlightenment. Sit down wherever you are. Listen to the wind singing in your veins. Feel the love, the longing, the fear in your bones. Open your heart to who you are right now, not who you'd like to be, not the saint you are striving to become, but the being right here before you, inside you, around you, all of you is holy. You are already more and less than whatever you can know. Breathe out, touch in, let go. That's so good, man. Yeah, I love that you read that. I think we should end all the things with a reading. Okay. <laughs> Maybe even that <laughs> every time. I don't know. But yeah. Let's that. that was really nice. <laughs> yeah, thank you. And by the way, those of you who are just joining us in this show, I mean, thank you for being part of the creation of it. And one way you can help us is to jump on iTunes or Spotify and leave a rating, um, subscribe to the channel, and tell your friends, you know, and um, we'll soon have it out there so you can send us an email, ask us questions. I think this will probably become a conversation, uh, Scott, not just between you and me, but with a lot of people who are interested in our same yeah, stuff. I hope so. I hope so. And Jacob, before we sign off, is there anything you want to share? Like anything you have coming up, any workshops, any, anything you want people? Wow. To know about? Thank you. Um, yeah, not, not this, uh, not sort of time sensitive. Uh, we have some things coming up with, um, Sark, uh, Gathering of Creatives Online coming up soon. I'll be speaking at a um, therapy conference, but probably nothing to, to tell people to go and sign up right this minute, especially if they're listening to it six months from now, and unless they can time travel back and sign up. for <laughs> That'd be cool. Some people may be able I to. I want to meet yeah. them. Let's invite time travelers onto the show. Yeah, for sure. I want to be yeah, them. I want to be them. <laughs> well, dude, I love you. And uh, thanks for being here without your beard even. I'm I'm a little bit mourning about the beard, but I you look great. So it's so good to see you, man. You too, brother. I love you too. And uh, I'll talk Bye. to you soon. You to choose how good it can get, how much love you can let into your life, into your heart, before your mind decides it's too much. It's up to you to choose It's up to you to choose